0: Leonard Ravenhill made a statement, and you guys don't know who he is, but he was an old English preacher that I had the privilege to hear him when he was about 80 years old, and he still had a fire in him that was amazing. He'd seen a lot of revivals and moves of God, and he said, said this, Are the things that you are living for worth Jesus dying for? Are the things that you are living for worth Jesus dying for I don't know about you but that just hits me in such a way that makes me pause there is a misconception I believe in a lot of Christianity that believes that discipleship is an option there's a lot of the church, I know one of the things that when I was sitting where you are listening to the founding pastor of this church talk, he was he told a story about how these leaders around, these, some of them fairly well-known leaders around America would come to Jimmy Seibert who founded Antioch and say, we, we want you to come and teach and help uh, teach us how to disciple people. He said, I'll do it on one condition. Give me the name of the four or five men that you are discipling. Every single one of those pastors couldn't give them a single name. And he said, well, when you can get me those three to four names then come back and talk to me and he never heard back from anybody because what and and one of my mentors said this and this is a man who has talked to hundreds of thousands of people in audiences a lot bigger than this one and here's what he said to me in the really in the last years of his life in ministry and he's still alive but this is what he said to me and it was He said, no one has ever been discipled from a pulpit. It is an impossibility. It's not the way Jesus did it. And it's not the way he instructed us to do it. This is not discipleship. This is an auxiliary to discipleship. And this without discipleship creates hearers instead of doers. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing here. Jesus actually did it, but this without something else creates an illusion and a delusion of accomplishment which actually isn't happening. And so for us to actually be disciples of Jesus, we need to be discipled. And since Jesus is no longer here, guess who gets to disciple you? A flawed human being. And you know what makes it doubly difficult for us as Americans is that we're independent. And I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. Look, I, I know how that, that operates. I, I'm I'm an Ameri- I'm as American as any of you. I even got cowboy boots on. But can I just tell you? That's I I, I can argue with Jesus all I, I want to. This is the way he said. This was his prescription. It's his last prescription. It's the last thing he said go and make disciples go into all the world and make disciples teaching them to obey all that i've taught you he was the first one and then everyone after that was flawed human beings and look how successful it's gotten there's about two billion of us that say we're christians and maybe a much smaller percentage of those who are actual disciples of Jesus. Now, let me re-summarize some of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus if you're willing to be trained and instructions and become an apprentice then you are a disciple of Jesus so let's just start right there I in the early days of my own personal walk with Jesus I was invited to come across the bridge of the cross because of my sin and receive forgiveness of my sin and I can just tell you the preponderance of that message weighed heavily on me and I ran across that cross now you go what are you talking about Steve was there a cross no I could see it that's what I was doing I was running to get that forgiveness I knew that it was the only place that I was ever going to receive forgiveness It's what Marianna said. If if Jesus is, you know, people go, well, I don't like the exclusivity of Christianity. And a lot of Christians get real defensive about that because they're trying to prove, well, Jesus is better than all the other guys. And that's actually really true, but that's not the point. It's the only way because there isn't anybody else that could die for you. There's nobody else that could pay for your mess. it's really that simple it's it's not exclusive because you know he's the champion there was no other champion there is only one there's only one left standing there's nobody else it's that kind of you know you guys watched epics there was nobody else that could do it it's that exclusive and now everybody goes oh good Jesus you go do it but then here's the condition after you go do it and pay for my sin I got my ticket punched and that's what a lot of Christianity has you know guys like me have stood and sat in places like this and said that's really all you need to do and now you need to try harder but John Wesley said we have not been called to make converts we have been called to make disciples that is our assignment So what's the difference between someone who says they believe in Jesus and someone who says, I am a disciple of Jesus? Well, we've been looking at it. So the first thing that I intentionally gave us, number one, is that you're willing to be trained. You're willing to be instructed, and you're willing to be a disciple. And there's a posture that happens throughout your life that you never abandon, which says, I always want to be a learner. I'm always willing to be someone who is an apprentice of Jesus. Dallas Willard, who was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California, really coined that phrase. And I like it because what it means is I'm a know-nothing and I need to learn something. And my know-nothingness, this is from a professor of philosophy who thinks a lot. And what he thought about Jesus was this. It's not just enough for you to be informed on how to do a backstroke. Or to run a 100-yard dash. You have to be coached. And you have to be trained. And if you're trained, you'll get better at it. And a lot of us think that we're, we're we're the YouTube generation. How many of you have ever watched those instructions on YouTube? I got this. (laughs) Two hours later, you're trying to be a good disciple and not use foul language. You're sitting there going, then you go look at another instruction, and he's just as bad. Those guys, you know what they're doing? They are doing what we all all you college students you're gonna find this out your boss are gonna go oh I made straight A's in engineering and your boss is gonna go yes yeah, so what I mean okay so you're a smart kid let's see if you're a good learner though because here's what's gonna happen is you're gonna meet up with all kinds of challenges that you need to be apprenticed in and it's not just to, to know the knowledge it's to apply the knowledge in this particular way, in your marriage, in your difficulty with a habitual sin, in the area where you're having mental illness—you know what mental illness is, don't you? Mental illness—we're all mental. We're all dealing with mental illness. I go, people go, oh, well, you're, you're talking about the—I'm not talking about the clinical stuff the psychiatrists work about, talk about. I'm talking about the one where you just think rotten, you think wrong. The way you think is wrong, and you need to be retrained. You, you need somebody that you've given permission to speak to you and say, you know, that's really bad thinking. Amen. That's point one. <laughs> this is, I told somebody, I said, well, we're going to get through all the Scripture this way, otherwise I'll never get off point one. Well, point two, if you love Jesus more than your family or anything in your life, including your own life, ...then you are a disciple of Jesus. It's kind of a, cover, uh, it's a, it's a blanket statement. Your finances, your future, your family, your fate... ...is all in the hands of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Becoming an a la carte Christian is not becoming a disciple of Jesus. And therefore, I would argue, not becoming a Christian... So much of Christianity is kind of this, I call it the the contractual Christianity. You got your insurance policy, you sign the paper, you're good. It may work as long as you're paying the premium on insurance, but that's not exactly the way it is in the kingdom because God wants a relationship. And I don't know any of you that know your insurance. One person at your life insurance company. Jesus wants an intimate relationship with us, and that's what being a disciple is. If you bear your cross, or take up your cross, some translations say, number three, and follow Jesus, then you are disciples of Jesus. Brent and I both, a few years ago, stopped saying the phrase, I'm a Christian. Not because that's not a good phrase. It suffers from word exhaustion. It's been diluted because of its meaning, because Christians watch porn and Christians kill other people and Christians do this and Christians do that and Christians lie cheat because you know you guys are just you're you know we know that Christ, this is this is one of the accusations that even Muslims say about us. So I think that word has suffered. So I use the term I'm a follower of Jesus. And you know none of us how many of you know that if you're a follower you're a devotee you're a you're a, you're one of his disciples sometimes there's a pejorative that's a put down because we all want to be leaders are every there's no books out there how to be a great follower that'll get 50 sales on Amazon maybe from a really frustrated employee who maybe wants to. Okay. Are you a follower of Jesus? You know, there's something humiliating about following somebody. Or at least there's something humble about it. There's, there's an acknowledgement that you don't know what you're doing. If you count the cost, then you're a disciple. Why did I put that in there? Because that's what Jesus was talked about. He goes, disciples actually are very thoughtful people. They get minors in accounting. They account for all of their life, and they say, Jesus, you're worth it. You see, I think a lot of people go, I like that deal, but I don't really want the other deal. I like the forgiveness deal, but I don't want to do the discipleship, followership, be a forsake all kind of deal. That that the cross part, I don't, I really don't like that part. You can't be my disciple. That's what he says. If if that's your attitude, you you just there's no then in the if. There's no then. Then you're not a disciple. And if you're not a disciple you can become one but you just made a choice and see there's I I actually think people will come to a place like this where we don't we really expect you to be the disciple makers and the disciples and people go I just want to get my Sunday I want to log my time and I, I, I don't want to really know anybody, and I don't really want to have any kind of responsibility, and Lord knows I don't want to disciple anybody. I, I'm, I'm not doing that well myself. If you forsake or renounce, that's the one translation says renounce. Wow, that's a strong word. If you renounce all, how much is left when all is encompassed? Okay. I mean, this is Jesus, okay? This is, this is Jesus, meek and mild, okay? This is his demand. There, there's nothing hesitant about the way he says these things either. If you forsake or renounce all, then you are a disciple of Jesus. And our little hamster wheels start turning, and we go, what about that? Yes. that Whatever you're... Hamster wheel is going, well, what about that? Yes, the answer is all. That one too. Well, I know, but I just spent four years doing this, and I prepared, and I, yes. But, 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 no buts. Okay. If you allow, now this is an interesting one. If you allow Jesus' word to abide or dwell or make its home in you, then you are a disciple of Jesus. Let's skip down to the next one. If you will abide in Jesus, which will cause you to produce a lot of fruit, then you are disciples of Jesus. Wow. I don't, a lot of us don't like that word. Because that means that we have to let His Word abide in us, we have to live in Him. And Him live in us, and His Word live in us, not just kind of this emotional experience, but this is where, when you read that thing that you don't like, that contradicts everything about the way you've been trained or thought, and, and you have to actually encounter that contradiction to everything about your life, you choose against yourself. That is called the cross. I mean, we all want to know what the cross is. Somebody's up here to remind me. I've got. (laughs) Leslie says, he's ignoring the clock. I started five minutes late. Okay. All right. I want to get to the last two. If you go where Jesus directs you to go, then you're my disciple. It says he directed them to a, a high mountain. The 11 disciples. And then it says, And they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Do you know what the verse right after that is? That's the Great Commission verse right after that verse. That verse is the, is the set context verse for this verse. All power and authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go into all the earth and make disciples of everybody. But these were the ones he gave it to. And some doubted. Now that word "doubt there could it's translated doubt a lot, but it could be doubt. it could be translated double-minded conflicted, divided I want to have my cake and eat it too would be a modern analogy of that it is someone who goes I'm, I'm about 90% in I'm willing to be a disciple but I really want to have the right because well, I'm an American and I got rights. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, I've given you everything. Will you exchange your pitiful little rights of an American so that you can be a citizen in my kingdom? That's really his negotiation tactic. I got a lot of benefits for you, but you have to trust me. Let's all rise. And what I want to do is I want to invite every single person in this room to evaluate your discipleship. Next week we're going to teach you literally practically how to be a disciple and to make a disciples. But this week I want to know, are you willing to take up your call? Are you willing to bear? See there? Good timing. No, seriously, this is is a really important moment. If if you... I'm going to just... I'm going to be the... uh, Disciple-in-chief. Before I'm a disciple-maker, I have to be a disciple. And I just... I, I felt this way early this morning as I was praying. And I just said... I was praying about this moment and I felt like the Lord said I want you to recommit yourself to be a disciple. And I'm going to be up here and I'm going to invite you if there's any place in your life that you sense reluctance you feel like there's a you got a right you're hanging on to. Maybe it's a right to be mad at somebody. Maybe it's a right to, well, you know, I've worked real hard for this. Maybe it's a right just to watch the TV show you don't need to be watching. Maybe it's a right to have some things that are perfectly legal, but they're not what God's asking you to do. Maybe it's a right to just not be dependent. Maybe it's a right to not really turn to him moment by moment maybe it's that you've never actually heard a message like this and you just say I, I, I want to be a disciple of Jesus and maybe it's you were a disciple and you've kind of doubted and you've gotten double-minded and you've allowed yourself to be divided and torn and maybe it's you going, I'm all in, but if there's a shred that's not all in, I want to give you that shred. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I want you to come and join me because I want to make sure there's not a shred that is not committed to the Lord Jesus. Father, I just pray right now for a room full of disciples of Jesus. Because if we become as radical as your disciples are, we will change the world for Jesus. Amen.